And so I want to share part of what God has, has given me to speak on today. It's actually called The Greatest Spiritual Warfare. Taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So I want you to see in this pass, in these passages, that God gives us a promise, but it's a conditional promise. In verse 7, He promises us a peace that surpasses all understanding if we follow the three exhortations in verses 4 through 6. He promised us a, a peace of God that is unequaled in the earth. No matter what tragedy or trial or injustice that befalls us, and there's a lot out there, the peace of God will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus if we trust God and obey Him and do what He's asked us to do. But, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to empower us to follow these three commands with grace and with faith so that we can have His peace upon us at all times. It's a peace that is beyond understanding. In other words, when you add up all the things that are going on in your life, it will not make sense that this kind of peace is with you and in you at all times. You could look at us and what's going on in our life and say, wow, how have you not cursed God? How have you not given up? How have you not given up your hope? How have you not, given, how have you not walked away? Because the peace of God surpasses all understanding. That's a promise for all of us, and so it's, it would behoove us to know what God commands us to do so that we can walk in that at all times. Do I walk in it at all times? No. I mess up. I fail, like all of you. But God says it's a peace that we can all have. So I don't know about you, but my life has a lot of trials, a lot of injustice, a lot of stress and challenges on a daily basis. And all these things do not make it easy for peace to even have a chance in my heart and in my mind. So if God offers me a peace that gives me peace in the middle of my storms and in the middle of my challenges, then that's a promise that I am interested in. Is anyone else interested in this promise? Isaiah 26, verse 3 says this, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. You see, the peace that God gives is perfect, which means nothing can touch it. Nothing can derail it. Nothing can overtake it. God will keep you in perfect peace when you choose to follow these three commands by His grace. You don't get peace by accident. It's not automatically handed out to every Christian who follows Jesus. Okay, here's your life supply, here's your daily bread, and here's your peace along the journey. It's not an automatic thing. 
You need to choose to put yourself in a position to receive this peace by obeying these commands. So today we're going to look at the first one. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why does he have to say again? Because almost like we don't really believe him after the first time. God, I'm going to rejoice when things are going well in my life. I'm going to rejoice when there's blessings in my life. But do I really have to rejoice when things are going horrible? Do I really have to rejoice when I've been hunting all day and I walk out to the end of my trail at the end of the night and it's pitch black and I try to, I try to get in my car and I go around the other side and I lock my keys in the truck with it running? That was me last week. I mean, that, that, was, that was one of the easiest of the things that's happened in the past week. And my, my cousin was there and he, re, he helped me along and he said, man, you guys are having some bad luck. I said, no, I think it's perspective. That could have happened. I could have had no one there with me. It could have happened. I could have been freezing cold. I mean, it's all a part of perspective. But uh, God tells us to rejoice at all times. So he says again, I say rejoice. To rejoice is have a cheerfulness and a sense of well-being. It's not tied to circumstances. So it's not conditional based on what's happening around you. It finds its source on the inside of a believer where the Holy Spirit lives and reigns. Rejoicing is not tied to happiness. Happiness comes when it's based on what's happening around us. When your bills are paid... You're happy. When your vehicle and your home are in fine working order, you're happy. When you are surrounded by good family and good friends and everyone is helping one another and there's no strife or arguing, you're in Disney World. <laughs> Just kidding. When there's, when, when, there's, when there's peace in the home, you're happy. You're happy. But life is not full of happiness. Some people have very little to be happy about in their current circumstances. That's the reality of life. Sometimes happiness is very short-lived in various seasons of our lives. But listen, Paul doesn't tell you to be happy. He tells you to rejoice. We have to do it willingly. We have to choose to rejoice. You see, you can choose to be upset and you can choose to complain. You can choose to mope around or choose to be indifferent and apathetic. But if you want God's perfect peace to be with you, then you need to choose to rejoice even when everything inside of you is telling you to just mope or complain or to be apathetic or to withdraw into a hole. God tells you to choose to rejoice always. We know we're not called to rejoice in our circumstances because he says rejoice in the Lord. We're not going to rejoice because my car breaks down in the middle of the wood or because someone loses a job or any other thousands of things that happen. I'm going to choose to rejoice in the Lord. That's unconditional. My God, our God, sits on his heavenly throne and he is sovereign over all. Amen? Amen. That's why we choose to rejoice. There are times in my life when I feel I can't rejoice because of what is happening. But I can always rejoice in the fact that I serve a God whose love is always, I always experience. 
whose grace I always experience, whose mercy I always experience, who declares in Psalm 46.1 that He is our refuge and our strength and a very present help in times of trouble. We can always experience His presence even when we are in trouble. There is enough for us to rejoice about if we choose to rejoice. Psalm 34, verse 1. If you've ever read through all the Psalms, not just the ones that make you feel happy, you'll see that David wrestled within himself because he was persecuted and mocked and tortured and all these things that he did. And so he chose, he had to make, he had to choose to rejoice. Psalm 34, verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. What's in your mouth when you're going through difficult times? Is there blame? Is there anger? Is there complaining? Is there a giving up on the world and a giving up on people and on circumstances? That's the natural, easy thing to do. We need to choose to rejoice. David chooses to bless the Lord at all times and continually praise Him no matter what is happening around him. I will bless the Lord. His praise will always be in my mouth. That's the choice I'm making. That's the choice David is making. That's the choice he calls us to make. Even when we don't feel like it, we must choose to rejoice in the Lord. So that if you get criticized, instead of being thanked or appreciated, you make the choice to rejoice. And you say, what's so happy about that? I was humiliated at work or I was criticized by someone close to me. We're not talking about happiness. We're talking about a deep-seated joy. Rejoicing is done on the inside. It's the joy of the Lord that gets you through tough times. Because you let the Lord build you up on the inside and makes makes you get stronger from the inside out. You say, what's there to be happy about? I got criticized and I got humiliated. Rejoice in the fact that you serve a God who knows your every need. God saw you get criticized. God saw you get humiliated. God saw it coming. He knew it before you even knew it. Don't think for one minute that God is caught off guard when you go through a trial or you're treated unjustly or unfairly. God is not surprised. He's not saying, wow, where did that come from? What am I going to do now? God knew it all along. He tells us from the inside to rejoice in Him. That never changes. Circumstances around us always change. Philippians 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You serve a God who knows how to meet the needs of every one of His children according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God knows what you need. Even if you disagree with Him, He knows what you need. He knows that He may allow a trial in your life 
or a time of injustice in your life so that you will cling even more to Him for what lies ahead because you're going to need that clinging faith to hang on. God knows when our priorities are out of order and so He changes, He, he, he makes changes in our life to make Him number one in our life. And it's not easy. But God knows what we need according to His glories in Christ Jesus. So we can rejoice in tough times because we rejoice in the Lord who is our provider. He will supply our needs. I want you to turn to someone or the direction of someone right now and tell them that God will supply my needs. Now this time I want you to say it like you mean it. Try it again. God will supply my needs. Amen. You can rejoice when a significant person in your life walks away or lets you down. Why? Because you serve a God who is Jehovah Shammah, the God who is always with you. So if others walk away from you, you are still not alone. You've got someone with you, someone whom the psalmist says sticks closer than a brother. He is always with you. He is always there. So if people desert you, father, mother, children, significant friend, walks away and disappoints you or lets you down, you can choose to rejoice because you have more power in Christ than you think. You have to choose to stand on the promises of God, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of what the enemy is telling you to believe. And you also need to be open to God revealing blessings to you during that time. It is in the darkest of time and troubles in our lives where the appearance appearance of light makes the biggest contrast. It is in the most discouraging trials where God brings other people into our situations to be right there for us. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? In your deepest and darkest times where the whole world has changed and there's confusion and rage and disappointment and God brings someone into your life not as a, wow, I can't believe you're here. Not as a coincidence, but as a planned ordination from God to be His light in your life at that time. You often do not realize how great a friend is until you receive their light in your darkness. Not just taking out lunch. Those are all great parts of friendships. But when they are there in your darkness, understand that God has had His eye on you and is sending His light to you. In that, we can rejoice. But it's only when we choose to rejoice on the inside that we're able to see the light that God is sending our way. If we choose to remain miserable, then misery keeps us blind to what God might be sending our way. The Bible says that He is an ever-present help in time of trouble, but it is still our choice to allow Him to help us during our trials. Troubles and trials, they are the standard equipment in the vehicle of life. You don't have to ask for them. They just come. They're standard equipment. When you buy a car, you don't have to get a special order to request a steering wheel or brakes or an engine. They're all standard equipment. You don't have to ask for tires. They come with every car. 
guess what? That's the way trials are in your life. You don't have to ask for them. They come. You don't have to want them. They come. It's called living on planet Earth. And because everybody gets trials in life, we sometimes think that there's nothing that we can do about them or that we have no power over them. Wrong. We have a lot of power in Christ. Even though trials are given to everyone, misery and complaining are optional. Being miserable is an, up, is an upgrade that you pay for. If you want to be miserable, that's an upgrade that you choose to pay. Some of us pay for the upgrade of misery all the time. If you're going through tough times, that's standard. Everybody gets trials. Everybody faces injustice. You can't help that. But in Christ, you have a choice now. You can rejoice in the God who will get you through your troubles if you put your trust in Him, especially when you don't understand it. And be open to the messengers of light that He sends into your life for such a time as this. Or, you can choose to be miserable. And you will pay the price for that misery. Because when you are miserable, not only do you still have the trouble, but now you have a bad attitude. A terrible outlook. And you close yourself off to any beacons of light coming through. You're expressing no faith, no trust, no confidence in God. And so you've actually made matters worse in your life. So Paul says to live in a state of heart and mind where you choose to rejoice. Not only because of the good things that are happening, but sometimes in spite of the trouble and the trials that come into your life. And he says, rejoice always. Make it a lifestyle. Don't do it sometimes. Bless the Lord at all times. Practice thinking of the favor of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the sustenance of God that gets you through the tough times. Some of us think, all the wrong things, but the psalmist says that you've got to blend the wrong with the right. You've got to blend the trouble with the solution. Psalm 23, verse 4, you all know this verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't say, yea, though I avoid the valley of the shadow of death. It says I'm going to walk right through it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. God doesn't say get through there and on the other side I'll meet you there. He says, I'm going to be with you through. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, you need to make yourself think about the promise of God that addresses what you are going through. You cannot always control what's going on around you. But if you choose to submit to the Lord and open your heart and mind and ears to the Holy Spirit, then God can control what's going on inside of you. That is where strength comes from. Intestinal fortitude. The strength to overcome. God has given that to every one of us through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Rejoicing in the Lord helps us defeat 
every weapon, every weapon that the enemy forms against us. Matthew 6, 31. One of the greatest weapons that the enemy tries to get us into is worry. We worry about what's going to happen or the future or the economy or what's going to happen in this relationship, my job. He tries to get us to worry because that moves us off of our stand with, God, with having faith in God. Matthew 6.31 says this, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Verse 32, For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Why does God tell us not to worry? In the Greek, the word worry is merimeo. It actually means to divide. How is worrying dividing? You see, in other words, when we worry, we divide up the whole picture. And we only judge the part that we can see right in front of us. We stop trusting God. God, I no longer have faith because what's in front of me right now is unfair. It is unjust. I'm in despair. This should not happen. This is evil. I'm going to judge it right now. But God is the only one that can see the whole picture. He sees it from beginning to end. That's why He says, don't worry. Don't just look at me. He says, trust me. I'm the God that brings you through. I'm the God that's always with you through the valley of the shadow of death. God sees the whole picture. He knows and understands how all things are connected to His glorious plan. We do not. That's why we have faith. God does not worry because to Him, the whole picture is clear. We need to choose to rejoice in the Lord that He has the whole plan so that we're not stuck in worry trying to judge what we cannot see. And yet there are still some who see this message as unrealistic. Because the devil is telling you that it is impractical and impossible to rejoice in the Lord during the very trial that you are in right now. If that is you right now, if you are in the middle of a grueling trial, if everything inside of you is trying to dismiss what I have shared with you so far, then this last part is for you. Because this is a practical example of what it looks like on how to rejoice in the Lord during your trials so that the perfect peace of God fills and guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'd like you to watch and listen to this godly transformation that took place in the Bible. Psalm 69. David is facing injustice and trials of all kinds. It seems by His Word that He's given up hope. But as He continues to talk to the Lord, I want you to see this miracle transformation that takes place when He learns to rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 69, verse 1. He says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. Depression and oppression are knocking at his door, trying to get him to give up. Verse 3, I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. 
my eyes fail looking for my God. So even though he is this great and faithful man, he still doesn't see God yet in this situation because there's so much grief and injustice and sadness. He is in the middle of a serious trial as events. He's holding nothing back. He's pure raw emotion between him and God. He is in despair and he's sharing how bad it is. Everything in him is tempting him to complain and to give up. The same temptations that we face. Verse 5, You, God, know my folly. My guilt is not hidden from you. So as he goes down through his troubles, he realizes that he is guilty, that he is a sinner before God. So he adds guilt to his misery. David's in a serious trial right now. Verse 6, Lord, the Lord Almighty, may those who hope in You not be disgraced because of me. God of Israel, may those who seek You not be put to shame because of me. Now David is feeling so low that he is worried about being a stumbling block to God for others who see him. He feels worthless. He feels full of shame. Have you ever been there? It doesn't matter what version you read this in, there is clearly no happiness in David's voice. No rejoicing in his heart and mind. He is being painstakingly honest in the middle of his trial. Verse 8 and 9, I am a foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own mother's children. For zeal for your house consumes me, and the insults of those who insult you fall on me. There's nothing going David's way. In fact, this is one verse that I can totally relate to. A foreigner to my own family, a stranger to my own siblings. Since I have stood on, the princ on principle of some things in my family, I have been an outcast in my family. I have been written off by many of my own siblings. I am a stranger to many in my own family for following the principles of God. There is no happiness in this situation. Believe me. And yet as David sinks lower and lower into guilt and shame and sadness and despair, he now throws out a line to the Lord. It's almost like Batman falling into a long, deep hole. And just before he gets to the bottom, he shoots out his batarang, hoping it will catch on something to stop his fall. Not knowing if it will, but I'm going to throw it out anyways. He sends out a cry to God, maybe not even knowing or thinking if it's going to work, but I'm going to try. I'm going to call to God. Verse 13, But I pray to You, Lord, in the time of Your favor, in Your great love, O God, answer me with Your sure salvation. There's no answer that He can hear. So He cries out again. Verse 20, Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. I looked for comforters, but I found none. Did you ever notice that when we're tempted to look for sympathy or we're tempted to look for pity from others, that God will prevent that from happening? 
The reason is that He wants us to go directly to Him. To be built up by Him. If we don't realize that, we'll just keep complaining until we find someone that attaches on to our complaints with us. We'll find someone to commiserate with us. We'll keep seeking until we find someone who does give us pity, even though that's not God's intention. It's not helpful. I can tell you that there's times when I've had difficult times in my life, and I turn to my wife and I just want her to be compassionate, and she'll say, no, suck it up and deal with it. Not because that's, that's because what God told her to do, do right? When, when, there's times when we do need encouragement. There's times when we do need compassion. There's times when God says, I need you to turn to me. I need you to trust me. For all that David was doing wrong in the midst of his trial, at least he was only venting to God. That's what God asked us to do. Give me your emotion. Give me your frustration. Vent to me. Don't go to others because they're not going to give you what I can give you. You see, in David's trial right now, there was no happiness, but at least he had the right audience. In the midst of his despair and sadness and anger and in his feelings of not being heard by God, he begins to rejoice in the Lord. Not in the circumstances, but in the Lord. Watch what happens. Verse 30, I will praise God's name in song and glorify Him with thanksgiving. Where did that come from? From deep down in his heart. The more he focused on God, the more he was ready to trust God and hear truth from Him. That batarang actually caught something. God did hear him. He doesn't feel it yet, but he starts praising them even before the answer has come. His joy began in his heart even though his circumstances had not changed. He began to rejoice in the Lord. He began to give thanks to God, not for what was happening, but because God was in control and God is sovereign. He began to rejoice in the Lord. Verse 32, The poor will see and be glad. And you who seek God, may your hearts live. Now He's giving advice to others. God's going to be faithful. You're going to find God. Your, your hearts are going to live. Where did that come from? By praising God, God lifted up His whole spirit. His entire countenance changes. He has hope. He sees others rising in hope as well. Verse 33, The Lord hears the needy and does not despise His captive people. How did that change? Before, He didn't think anyone heard Him. But now he's saying it as a fact. The Lord hears us. As he rejoices, he knows the Lord hears his prayers. His choice to rejoice in the Lord has given him faith to trust the Lord through his difficulty. You know what's happened? God has now given him a perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. Nothing has changed around him, but what changed inside of him is a fire that cannot be put out. He has a perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. Verse 34, Let heaven and earth praise Him, the seas and all that move in them. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is what God does on the inside of you in the middle of your trials when you choose to rejoice in Him. 
I will tell you that there's no greater spiritual warfare against the devil than to rejoice when he tempts you to complain and tempts you to give up. When he knocks you down and it feels like he has his foot on your head and he feeds you temptations to doubt and to fear, to complain and to look for pity, to seek revenge or to resort to anger, make a different choice. Your rejoicing in the Lord will not only lift up your spirit, but it will drive the enemy away from you. He totally thinks that he has you trapped and cornered. But even in the middle of your trials, before you see any change around you, the Spirit of, the, of God lives within you. He will give you the strength to praise Him in the middle of the storm. Greater is He who lives in you than he who lives in this world. That's a promise that every one of us has and we need to hold on to. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Choose to rejoice in Him.